Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined virtually by Scott McDermott, as usual, and a very special guest in the form of PA's Andy Newport. Welcome, Andy. Oh, yes. Thanks for having me, boys. No problem. Great to have you back on the podcast once again. Today, we're going to look over the latest transfer rumours. We're going to be talking virtual season tickets and taking a gander through the myriad issues surrounding Rangers playing behind closed doors. First up, Andy, I'm going to pick your brains about a name that has been... Liked with Rangers for quite some time. He's a goalkeeper, played for St Mirren for the last two years and has impressed, I think, anyone who's seen him. You've seen him in the flesh. Vlad ha- Vlad- Vlakov Hladke. There you go. Easy for me to say, says... Are you sure? I'm not going to attempt that again and I will hand the baton over to you, Andy, to tell me what you think of Mr Hladke. I think, you know, if obviously Al McGregor's still... Looks like he's going to be the number one uh, next season. He's, he's done nothing to suggest that he's he's, he's lost any of his abilities. Um, so it looks like Vlachlav, I think is how you say it, um, is coming <laughs> in <laughs> as the number two, perhaps, if, 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 if a move does materialise. Um, speaking to... I've, I've only seen him maybe a handful of times, but he's never been somebody who's... Um, I can, I can think of making a single mistake that, that I've certainly seen speaking to the, a, a lot of the, the St Mum supporters that I know. I mean, they idolise the guy. I mean, somebody said he was, I heard somebody saying he was the best goalkeeper St Mum have had since Campbell Money. So, in sort of St Mum terms, that, that sort of high praise. Um, so, I think the, it comes down to whether or not they think Robbie McCrory um, is ready to be that understudy to McGregor or if he needs a wee bit more time to develop playing first team football. But, um, certainly, from on the, on the face of it, it looks like it would be a, a decent signing if they can pull it off. Although uh, I might be wrong, but I seem to remember Gerald being asked about it at some point last year and sort of pouring a wee bit of cold water on it at that point, whether or not it's been sort of developed over that time. I'm not sure. I don't know if Scott knows any more on that front. Uh, not really, Andy, but I, I must admit I would be amazed if Stephen Gerrard wasn't. In for him, um, because to me it seems like the perfect solution all round for Rangers. I mean, he is the ideal signing for them in terms of how much it will cost, in terms of availability, in terms of his age. Um, you're right, Alan McGregor will be number one again next year, but I think as McGregor does go older, he needs to be put under some some serious pressure, and I think uh, Haladki can do that. Whenever I've seen him. No, he's a guy that does the basics very well. I think he's been outstanding for, for St Mirren. He now knows the league, knows the country. So to get a guy you know, who's out of contract of that calibre to come in and be the the backup to Alan McGregor, I think it should be 
a no-brainer for Steven Gerrard and Rangers. Now, it depends how many offers um, Haladke's got, but no, you wouldn't think there'd be many bigger clubs than Rangers in for him. Uh, so I must admit, I'd be really surprised if uh, no Rangers aren't already moving on that and don't and don't get it done. Does this underline this idea that Robbie McCrory is going to be going out on loan once again? He's obviously had his time at Livingston, but it was cut short by this virus. Does that make sense for him at his age to go out, Andy, on another spell, get a whole season under his belt at a high level, and then potentially come back? Because Rangers are, are often talking about this pathway for young players. And on the face of it, someone might look at this and say... Well, you've got an ageing Alan McGregor. Surely it's the perfect time to bring in McCrory as a number two and allow him to develop alongside a guy who's been there and done it at Ibrox at the top level for a long time. But there's also this other school of thought that says for him to even be able to challenge properly in that position, he does need those first team games. He does need that first team experience. Like McGregor had himself, I think he was 24 when he came into Paul Le Guin's team for the first time. And, and by that time, he'd been at St. Johnston and places like that, Dunfermline, and he could come in as a, as a guy with that experience. I mean, I think, for Stephen Gerrard's perspective, your, your Rangers goalkeeper, if it's Robbie McCrory wants to come into the team either next season or, or the season after that, it has to be utterly ready for it. The, the Rangers goalkeeping position isn't somewhere you can come in and complete your apprenticeship. You have to be ready to go a fully ready-made uh, number one. So, obviously, he was at Queen of the South um, beginning part of the season just gone and, and came back. So, he's only obviously had maybe two or three months uh, playing Premiership football before the season got curtailed. So, maybe that's just not enough a body of work for Stephen Gerrard to, to judge whether or not he, he is ready to, to come in and, and push Al McGregor uh, for that number one jersey. So, perhaps... In ideal scenarios, maybe get him to another sort of high-level Premiership team or, or maybe a decent enough level down south, maybe sort of Championship down, down south, if they can get him in there and see what he's, he's really like under pressure um, in games that matter, that have got a lot riding on them. And then they can make a decision, perhaps just given that the they've only got that sort of two or three months worth of uh, evidence to work on in terms of top-flight football. Uh, top-flight football, it's, it's not enough, and therefore they've decided... Looks as the rumours and reports are to be to believe that Latin uh, <laughs> um, is maybe just a safer option just in this meantime. Yeah, I, I agree, Andy. I mean, Rangers are going to need two, no, ready-made, strong goalkeepers with, with experience next season. No, given what's at stake, getting into the the new campaign, and no, I think ultimately Robbie McCrory does have the ability and the potential to, to be Alan McGregor's replacement at Rangers, but he's not ready yet. And you know, for him to come in, he's going to need 100, 150 senior games behind him. Um, and I, I totally agree. I've said before on here, you know, the, the plan for McCrory should be that he gets another full season now out in loan, whether that's at Livingston or maybe even somewhere... No, with all due respect to Livingston, maybe a bit higher or with a bit more pressure, like you no, know, say a Hibs, for example, where there's you no, know, there's a bit of expectation there for you no, know, for a big crowd and stuff. Like that. I think he's got to go and play a full season, um, you no, know, get those games under his belt and be ready 
for a year's time to go back to Highbrook's you know, with all of that experience behind him and ready to really push on and challenge a, a McGregor or a Haladki or, or whoever. Yeah, Scott, it's been a while since a Rangers player went out on loan and really, really smashed it. We had Charlie Adam on the podcast last week, talked very eloquently about how you go about attacking a loan spell and making it work. Yeah. Is there a bit of pressure on some of these guys? That the name that jumps immediately to mind is Glenn Middleton to go out and actually show what they're all about in, in a loan spell. These young players who have been talked about as having great talent, but haven't yet produced the goods. I would even say week in, week out, you know, even intermittently at professional level. Yeah, I think it's difficult for young players, Johnny, particularly creative forward-thinking players like Middleton, um, especially wingers, actually, where there's an immediate kind of expectancy on you to go and produce and create chances and, and score goals. Um, I think the factors have to be right in terms of it has to be the right club, it has to be the right manager, um, it has to be the right situation. I mean, when Glenn Middleton went to Hibs, for example, uh, Paul Heckingbottom was still in charge and the club were at a really kind of low ebb and it wasn't an ideal wasn't an ideal place for him. Uh, it was the same situation, actually, with someone, someone like Ryan Gold, who was a bit older and came back from Portugal to go to Hibs, but it was just the wrong, the wrong time. I know he picked up injuries, but it was never going to work for him there at that at that particular moment. I think Middleton was the same at Hibs. Uh, I think he then went to Bradford after that, didn't he? Didn't he really set the header alight as well? It is difficult. I mean, we, we spoke about it with, with Charlie. I mean, a lot of it boils down to the, the players' mentality. You know, whether you've really got that resilience and that mental toughness to go into a difficult situation. You know, when you've not got the you know, the facilities and the security, if you like, of, of being a Rangers player, to go in and actually be the best player and, and, and show why you're at Rangers in the first place, I think it takes you know, these young boys uh, to be really mentally strong. And that's you know, that'll be the big question mark for your Middletons and you know, your Ross McCrory's or, or whoever else um, is going to go out and loan this season because if they're going to come back and actually make the grade at Rangers, they need, they need to go and make a big impact. Right, I've taken us meandering down a cul-de-sac, as usual, uh, away from the topic. We're going to get back to transfers now and chat about Lyle Taylor, another player that's been linked with Rangers. Um, now, he has uh, run his contract down with Charlton. He is available on a free transfer, 30 years old, uh, six foot two striker, big target man, scored 11 goals in 22 games in the Championship, so a really good record. Lee Boyer has said that, queues, that clubs are queuing up to sign him and that he is going to get a life-changing contract with his next move. Now, guys, the, the interesting thing about Taylor is he is not new to Scottish football. If he was to arrive here, he has played previously with Partick Thistle and Falkirk. Now, given you both will have seen him in his time in Scotland previously, are you surprised he is now being linked with a move? I'm not surprised, Johnny, because of what he's done uh, in England, you know, in League One and in the Championship. If you'd have said to me a few years ago, when he was kind of kicking about Scottish football and, you know, granted scoring a few goals for, for Thistle and Falkirk, you know, if you'd have said to me, will he ever be a Rangers player, I would have said no, because I, I didn't think he was at that that level. But credit to him, he's went down the road, he seems to have hit it off at Charlton, scored a lot of goals. Um, he he would bring something different to Rangers. We spoke about you know, the need for 
uh, more physicality, uh, no more robust players, and taking a beef up the squad. And he would probably uh, he would probably fall into that category in terms of a striker. I think he would give Rangers something a bit different. But he's thirty years old. He's coming for Charlton. I mean, is he really is he really going to be the difference between Rangers stopping ten in a row and not? I'm not so sure. I, I would probably no. I would probably think that they'll be looking elsewhere. I don't doubt that he'll be on. The radar, he'll be on a list somewhere uh, in Ross Wilson's drawer, but is he really the guy that's going to make a difference? I'm not so sure. I don't know what Andy thinks. I, I, I agree with you. I was you know, just having a look at some of his you know, stats and a wee bit of video of him this morning, actually, and I just thought, you know, it's just the profile doesn't sort of sit right with me. I mean, you've got a guy there at the moment, Alfredo Morelos, what, 23 um, you know, with a really big sort of resale value, given what you bought before. Then to replace him, a guy at thirty who sort of dotted about the whole leagues in, in Scotland and England, um, and then expect him to come and sort of be your main striker. I don't know, just something that just obviously just doesn't doesn't seem to fit um, as, as a as a potential you know solution to what Rangers will need next season. Um, I suppose if, that depends on if if that is the case. If they yeah. were looking at him as a replacement for Morelos. Or if you're looking at him yeah. as an option. I don't doubt that, he, he, as Scott says, he'll, he'll be on a list of targets somewhere on Stephen Joyer's drawer. But to be the main the main number nine for Rangers next season, I don't see it. What I see him could come coming up to Tybooks and being as, you know, taking on that, perhaps that Jermaine Defoe role as being the second striker. I think the fact that as much as Defoe's obviously a quality player, was a, a extremely perfect striker in his day. I think Rangers struggled with him at times, um, especially after Christmas when a few games went off. They, they struggled again, getting the best out of him. He doesn't get you up the park the way that Morelos does. Lil Taylor would perhaps have, you know, on paper would have the, the sort of credentials that would maybe suit Rangers a wee bit better than that, but I still don't see him having the quality. I think, he, you know, I remember him Thistle, he was always, you know, energetic, mobile, but just a bit raw and, you know, it's, it's just what lacks the, the sort of the clinical qualities that you were looking for in a, a Rangers striker. I think if, if, if I think Rangers fans would struggle to swallow Alfredo Morelos leaving and Lyle Taylor coming in as his replacement, with all due respect. I mean, you, you would need to assume that Taylor would be a guy coming in to supplement Morelos and Defoe. No, he give them that something something a bit different in a similar way that you know, people have spoken about Lyndon Dykes maybe coming in and doing doing a similar job. But the question is if you know if Lyle Taylor's got all these uh, so called offers on the table, is he is he willing to, to go to Rangers and, and be the you no know, second or third choice and play um you no know, play a bit part in in the next season? I'm I'm not sure that'd be the case. I think you at thirty you'll want to go and play every week. You he'll feel he's at his at the peak of his powers just now, certainly given his forum at, at Charlton. So I'm just no sure. I agree with and I'm just no sure how it how it works. Um, and as I say, if Morelos was to go, you no know, Gerard and the Rangers board, uh, I'm sorry, will need, need to come up with something better than than Lyle Taylor as being the guy to replace him to to lead Rangers to to the championship. Andy, there's a bigger thing here when we talk about our placement for Morelos, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail and pick your brains on this. Alfredo Morelos, for me, is 
almost a generational talent when he's at his best in terms of what Rangers could have. In that, he's got pace and he can go in behind. He's strong and he can hold the ball up. He can turn with the ball. He can bring others into play. But he's also a goal scorer. So he's one of these guys that can do almost everything at Premiership level. And that you know when he's on it, when he's absolutely at it like he was in that first half of the season. So can Rangers actually replicate that by bringing in someone similar? Or is that a, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime type deal that is going to be extremely difficult to do again? Or do they have to think, we need to change the structure of this team to get more support to whoever comes in to replace Morelos should he depart? For example, Jermaine Defoe comes in there, as you've already said, uh, he looks a little bit isolated when he plays up there because he can't do all those things Morelos can do. So you need to get someone close to him. Now, that might be a Hadji, it might be a Kent, it might be involve, it might involve a change of formation to play two up front or to go back to a more direct 4-3-3. How do you think Rangers can do that? In terms of you know finding another Alfredo Morel, I mean, if it was as simple as just go out and find another guy that can do everything, you know, then there'd be a, you wouldn't be signing guys like Alfredo Morelos for a million quid. They're they're very difficult to find. I, th- I think you saw at the tail end of the season before last when Defoe came in and they had to tweak things, and that's when you. They first sort of saw this inverted wingers or the, the dual number 10s, I think, is Stephen Gerrard first to call them, where they, they, they did try and get these two sort of wide players tucked in a bit more just to, to support the striker. That worked for a spell. It didn't quite get uh, the same sort of joy out of it last season, um, especially sort of later on in the season. Um, so it looked like clubs and, and teams in Scotland had sort of figured figured that system out, they figured Rangers out and, and how they were going to play. If Morelos does go, or if they, if they want to be a wee bit more adaptable, then they're going to have to find other ways of working um, and putting teams under pressure rather than just... Because there was times where the, the team were either relying on Morelos to dig them out a hole, or, and if he wasn't playing or if he wasn't on form, then the team struggled. So that, that's definitely going to have to be something that, that Stephen Gerrard will be addressing before the new season kicks off. Johnny, Jermaine Defoe, Jermaine Defoe is one of the best you know, British strikers, or has been one of the best British strikers around for a while. We know the quality that he's got and the career he's had, but you need to remember his age. In the league game at Tynecastle against Hearts, Johnny uh, Morelos wasn't there, and Defoe started up front, and you know, a couple of chances came, came his way where... So he had an opportunity to get in behind with his pace and he just lacked that that burst that he used to have you know, as a younger player, that first five yards of pace to get him in behind. And it cost Rangers that day. And I think Gerard will have looked at that and thought, as much as Defoe does still have a part to play in terms of his finishing prowess and the fact he's a, he's a brilliant penalty box striker, um, no, Rangers need to, need to address that because when Morelos isn't there... They've got a they've got a problem, um, and I know Morelos's are difficult to find, <clears throat> as Andy says. But no, they are out there. He's proof of that for a million quid to get a guy as you say that can do every, pretty much everything. If your scouting's good enough and your recruitment's good enough, um, then you can find these guys out there. Right, we're going to move on now to a little bit of discussion around the current situation. Obviously, coronavirus has put Scottish football 
Uh, pretty much on its knees for the times being. The, the league has been called and we're now looking forward to next season. But that looks like it's going to get started again in August. And it's today being announced by the SPFL that Sky have allowed clubs to go ahead and begin to offer virtual season tickets. Now, quite what that looks like, um, we don't 100% know. I think it will differ from each and every club. But certainly what it appears to mean is that clubs can sell season tickets now and say that these games that you will miss you will be able to uh, view in some capacity, whether that's online um, or otherwise. I would imagine it would have to be online. And that will make up the difference in terms of uh, the games that are behind closed doors. Andy, what's your immediate reaction to that news? Is this um, something that will work for fans who are going to miss out on these games? Is it a good deal for fans? Is it the best that they could offer? It seems to me it's the only deal that they can be offered because at the end of the day, clubs, especially in Scotland, rely on their season ticket revenue. Um, something like was it 43 or 47 percent of uh, on average uh, clubs in Scotland revenue comes through the gate. Um, they have to have a way of ensuring that that money keeps coming in. They can't just rely on the goodwill of supporters who themselves may be going through. Some pretty tough times economically with their jobs and the economy, you know, redundancies perhaps uh, widespread. So um, they have to come up with a way that they can offer their support or something in exchange of getting some money in. Um, this seems like the best way forward. Um, but I mean, I think it, it might stick in the craw of a few supporters. I mean, if you're, I mean, I, I read somebody on social media earlier on today that it's, you know, a season ticket for himself, but also his two sons and. You know, he's a Rangers season ticket holder that's going to cost him, you know, perhaps, you know, £1,200, £1,300 £1, essentially for a, t- a Rangers TV subscription. He's also got a Sky TV package on top of that. It's going to cost a lot of money for, for people. So I wouldn't be surprised if some folk decide that, you know, especially the, the guys with families, that this might be too much for them to pay. And, they might give up one or two seats, and I know that will be problematic um, given the way that Rangers obviously have a, a quite a lengthy waiting list for, for, for season tickets, but it's just the situation we find themselves in. This is unprecedented times. The virus is, is devastating the economy, and you know clubs are going to have to manage as, as best they can. And thankfully, this looks like a solution, but whether it, it, it works long term remains to be seen. So Andy, Andy, I'm I'm assuming. I mean, I put this out on out Twitter earlier on just because I'd seen the, the SPFL and Sky statement. So if you've paid five hundred pound for a season ticket, obviously you're not getting to go to the games physically, but you don't then have to pay anything else to Sky to watch the games on a stream. Is that Matt, is that do you Matt, now get those games as part of your season ticket money? If you look at it, so I think the current deal or the, the arrangements of the Sky deals that they're only allowed to show four games from one stadium. So in terms of the old firm, it would be you obviously get your two, you get two old firm games at each stadium plus two more. So yeah. we sell usually the flag raising day, they get your two old firm games and then they would have one left over for the title running. Um, same same with Rangers. Um, so. My understanding that it would be that your virtual season ticket would get you all 18 home games plus whatever cup games and on top of that, um, and then you would 
your Sky packages effectively is for your away games if you're an old firm supporter because the majority of away games, uh, old firm away games are, are shown on that. So that's you would have to be paying basically your for your season ticket and your Sky package. Yeah, so you pay your season ticket money to Rangers, but the mm. Rangers then use part of that season ticket money to pay Sky for virtual for the for these punters to watch the games virtually. No, that's what I'm saying. So I think your Rangers season ticket will get you your 18 home games. Right. But obviously, if a, if a game's shown away from home, you're not getting that in your season ticket. You're only getting no, the home of game. Right. Sky package at that point to get your to get the away games. Yeah, Scott. It's um, I think it will be through Rangers TV as as opposed to Sky. My understanding of it is that um, Sky are essentially allowing Scottish football to do this as opposed right. to there being a, 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 a Sky is not exclusive broadcast right? So there, yeah, it's understood would be the only broadcast that would be allowed to be shown. It now with this new arrangement, you're going to have twelve other broadcasters, effectively clubs own and house channels, are now coming in. To start showing games, so that's why they would need Sky's permission to enable to these other essentially rival broadcasters to start showing games which they have exclusive access to. It's not the most clear press release I've ever seen in no. terms of the detail of it, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who sort of looked at it and thought, now I've got about 50 questions uh, yeah. to ask on the back of this. Um, but in terms of value, Scott, I mean, you, you, you're, uh, you've got people in your family like, like, like myself and Andy probably do as well who go to games. Do, do you get a sense that this will be enough um, to keep them stumping up for for a season ticket? Because it, let's be honest, you know, it's 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 not cheap nowadays uh, to back your club in that manner. It's expensive, and especially with the the economy the way it is. But we know how vociferous fans are and how much they want to support their club and how much they prioritise it. You're right, it is tough now financially and not to ask guys to fork out five, six hundred pounds as Andy says, you know, if you've got families and you're paying for kids' tickets, you no know, to stump that money up and knowing that all you're gonna get is just watching the watching the games on T V and you know, on Rangers T V or, or Celtic T V for that matter. It's you no know, it's a big it's a big dilemma but Football fans never seem to or cease to amaze you um, in terms of in terms of what they do for their club. I've already seen a few people on social media talking about it, just saying, "No, no matter what, no, it's not the club's fault. I was going to pay my season ticket money anyway, as as gutted as I'm not to get to go to games. No, I'll be putting the money up anyway. No, to support the club and and obviously be watching it on TV. Um, and you need to take your hats off to these to these people that are willing to do it because times are tough and they're going to get tougher." After this, uh, after this pandemic ends, so I think a lot of fans will have a real dilemma. I think it's going to be a real struggle for a lot of them financially. But as I say, fans in this country uh, seem to amaze you all the time in terms of what they're willing to do for their, their clubs. And I think the majority of people who have bought season tickets or are planning to buy season tickets probably will still do it um, and obviously take on the take on the, the, the streaming for the for the home games is the only the only option to see their team. Andy, in terms of on the pitch, you see the the detritus that has come from this crisis across many, many clubs. You know, uh, 15 players released here, 17 there, 12 there. That, on top of the fact that smaller clubs in the league won't have a 
frenzied home support behind them in these games. Does this make the the league uh, a, a potentially easier proposition for their strongest teams? And I'm not just talking about Rangers and Celtic, Aberdeen perhaps, um, Hibs, those guys that have a little bit more strength and depth. Ca- can they now really impose their their might on this league because there will be difficulties for other clubs, I would I mean, imagine, to, to yeah, make it through that. If you look at the sort of evidence um, from the sort of Bundesliga, the few games that have been played over in Germany so far, is that home teams, um, when they're the sort of perceived to be the weaker club, have been struggling against the, the sort of stronger teams because they don't have that, as you say, vocal backing that they would, they would normally have. And it just becomes a sort of training ground exercise. And in those conditions, the stronger team on paper usually wins out. So, um, it could make it, you know, an easier exercise for the bigger teams going away. Whether or not that makes the league more entertaining or not, if it become ends up becoming a bit of a procession for the sort of stronger teams, um, that that'll need to be seen. I mean, I think we're all agreed. You know, we'd rather see stadiums packed out with fans. Um, it's one of the things that sort of is one of the selling points of Scottish football. Is that you know, given the size of the country, the, the, the sort of turnout we get for for most teams. It's, it's pretty impressive, um, and so we'd like to, to have those sort of pictures, those, those scenes back. But um, you know, if, if, if going away to, to away grounds and, and not having that noise there makes it easier for the sort of bigger teams, and I don't think you'll see likes of Steven Gerrard or, or Neil Lennon complaining too much. I, I think this is a fascinating debate with the terms of closed doors football. Um, I watched the Bayern Munich. Borussia Dortmund game last week and I was excited about it obviously two massive clubs in the biggest game in Germany um, and after and it was a technically it was a terrific game and I've seen a lot of people praising it on social media and talking about how much they enjoyed it but the thing nobody really mentioned was you know, in that game Borussia Dortmund are one down 10-15 minutes to go in ordinary circumstances the way that crowd is and the way that stadium is in Dortmund there would have been such a surge you know, from the crowd onto the players that it would have been a different game in the last... I don't care what anyone says, it would have been a different game in the last 10, 15 minutes. Dortmund just couldn't you know, work up that energy, that fervour to go and try and get the equaliser because they'd no, they'd no fans behind them. And that's why I keep saying, as much as it looks as if it's the only option, I think it's going to be so false when it starts it's not proper football as we know it um, and that's why I think that the start of the season is going to be really strange um, as with the behind closed doors and in, just in terms of what you're saying there about domestic stuff again it's fascinating uh, Gavin Berry did a really good piece on Sunday with Stuart Kettlewell at Ross County talking about Know, the prospect of maybe Ross County being the team who has to go to Celtic Park on the opening day of the season. When normally that flag day at Parkhead you know, is full of atmosphere, full of colour, the fans are right behind the, uh, the home team for the start of the new season. And teams can really suffer on the back of that. I mean, St Johnson, I think, lost by seven last season. And the, the question is, you know, will, the smaller, will it help the smaller teams? We know, we know fans there. Um, and your instinct would probably say, well, it will. But I spoke to an ex-player last week 
and he made the opposite point saying that he thinks it, it'll actually benefit the, the bigger teams like Rangers and Celtic playing at home because there isn't that uh, pressure and expectation of 50,000 punters breathing down your neck. There isn't that opportunity for the away team to silence the home crowd and get them onto the home team's back. So I just think there's so many strands there and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to, to actually see how it pans out. I mean, this ex-player thinks that Rangers and Celtic next season behind closed doors will just beat teams routinely, no, three, four, five now because it becomes a bit of a training game. Ultimately, they've got better players, so that will tell when there's no there's no fans there. Um, I just wonder, Scott, if, if in that sense, does that influence the likes of Steven Gerrard's mindset when it comes to signing players? Because and there's no doubt that, especially after January, there, there was games at Ibrox when things weren't going Rangers' way and you could see the fans getting on top of the players' backs and the, the players wilting to an Definitely. extent. And obviously, I mean, I think as much as Stephen Gerrard will be looking to bring in guys of, of technical and, and, you know, top ability, one of the things, the characteristics you'll be looking at this summer is guys with, that have got, you know, the mentality to play for Rangers. You know, there's, there's, there's been guys over the last couple of years that have come in that are no doubt be decent players, but you, you wonder if they've really got the sort of nerve to play for Rangers. Yep. If that, aspect, if that aspect of not having
trying stuff that they would not normally do when there's 50,000 fans being down their neck. There's, they seem to be more relaxed. It's more structured than how they play. So I wonder if that will sort of, you know, come through in the Scottish game, which perhaps isn't as technical as, as, you, as you see in the continent as well. I suppose it's if you strip out the psychological aspects of the game, all you have is the technical aspects left. And therefore, if you've got a player like a, a Haji or a Morelos or a Kent, they should be able to really impose their skills in a game in a way that they might not necessarily be able to, where, where it's more affected by the psychology of the crowd and the pressure and all that. Um, yeah. So sh- sh- my view is I, I agree with that, that player that, that um, Scott's talking about, that, that ultimately this will benefit Rangers. Listen, just before we go and we wrap this up, there is one other element now. We know that there's always an old firm game early on in the season. Normally, it's the fourth or fifth game. Now, given the situation as it stands in the UK, do either of you believe that there will be an old firm game early on in this season? Or do you think, as has been rumoured, that old firm games will be pushed back to a point where there will be able to be crowds in attendance? I think it will get pushed back, Johnny. Uh, I'd be amazed if there's an old firm game. We know fans, I say, I know I've just spoken about Dortmund v Bayern, which is probably the biggest game in Germany, but no, for what the old firm is, for what the appeal of it is, uh, for what Sky want it to be and expect it to be, I don't think it would be a major issue for, for them, no, in conjunction with the SPFL fixtures computer, obviously, to um, to put the first old firm game back to a to a time when they expect to have, to have crowds back in the stadiums. Whether that means there's, there's two in quick succession, I don't think it'll really matter. I think to them, you know, Sky have signed this deal for five years. Everyone knows you know, they want the, the reason they want it is the 4 old Firm games. That's the that's the showpiece games. I, I'd be amazed if they put one on early with, with no supporters there. I think it's a gamble, though, for the broadcasters in the sense that but see, they put them back to, to January the, or February, the first of these uh, four old firm games that you traditionally have. And, and OK, you get the first one out of the way with, with, a, with a crowd there. So I think it's due to be Celtic Park this year, if I'm correct. So the first one. So, uh, But then, you know, so we're not out of the woods with this coronavirus. It's, you know, it's talk, it could still be another year before you're getting, until you get a vaccine. You know what happens? We have another spike, and they're, they're forced to go behind closed doors again. And that, and you know, it's I think it's a risky strategy in the sense that if you're not going to have all four games played either with a crowd or without a crowd, it would be unfair to have it sort of lopsided with one of the games behind closed doors and, and three with fans or, or vice versa. So I think that would need to be something that needs to be balanced out. You know, I understand that the TV companies will want to ensure that there's a, a huge crowd there to give you that. You know that backdrop that they, they thrive on for old firm games, but you know they, they need to think long and hard about whether or not it's going to be fair if the virus comes back and we're forced into a second or third lockdown, and one of these games is forced behind closed doors. Does that give one of the teams an unfair advantage or not? That's something that needs to be considered. It would just be the strangest thing in the world an old firm game with no fans, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's strange. It was strange enough when. No, at times when there's only been like one set of fans there, and even the last couple of seasons, obviously there's been the reduced away allocation. It just it, it seemed a wee bit strange, but for there to be no fans at all, um, 
it would just be utterly bizarre, and and it's and it's a shame that we're going to have you know these kind of scenarios in what is such an important season, or probably you know, the most important one of the most important seasons in both clubs' histories in terms of the you know trying to get ten in a row or trying to stop ten in a row. To think that we've you know we're going to have these obstacles or these anomalies in terms of you no know, maybe no supporters on the ground, it's it's a real it's a real shame, I think. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to cut it off there. We could probably talk all day, but I think Andy's kids have arrived back home and I can see him on the, <laughs> the on the Skype video. They are sort of uh, signalling off camera, uh, making shush noises, etc, etc. So perhaps time to call it a day. You can get in contact with us on Twitter to discuss anything we have touched upon today. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott A. And Andy, you are? Andy Newport, PA. You can obviously go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review, and that would be very much appreciated as that gets the podcast to as many people as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.